Let us lift our voices for today's service. For unto us a child is born. Once a child is born, a son is given, a son is given. For unto us a child is born, a son is given, a son is given. The Messiah, oh, to see him, to see him high and lifted up, shining in your light of your glory pour out your power and love as we sing holy 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 for unto us a child is born a son is given a son is given for unto us a child is born a son is given a son is given the messiah oh to see him to see him high and lifted up shining in the light of your glory pour out your power and love as we sing holy 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 to see him high and lifted up Shining in the light of your glory Pour out your power and love As we sing holy, holy, holy Let's sing holy a child is born holy 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 for unto us a child is born holy 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 for unto us a child is born holy 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 open the
Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. For unto us a child is born. To us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Amen. Let us continue our worship.
shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Amen. 
by your grace, Lord, I bow my knees and worship at your throne. There's nothing I want, just one thing I need. standing here only by your grace Lord I bow my knees and worship at your throne there's nothing I want just one thing I need to worship you father to worship you father to worship you father amen praise let us bow our heads Amen. Praise God. Amen. Isaiah 9 says this, For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. As we're here on this Sunday, for our Christmas Sunday, and before we transition to the message, can we just take this time right now and understand and grasp the truth? Our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lion and the Lamb, with the first advent and with the second advent, that He will come to judge the living and the dead as the Lion and the King. And can we just take this moment to understand and to ask the Lord to teach us His ways, to walk in the truth, to rely on Him, and to humble ourselves and to give all of ourselves to Him and to honor Him. Can we pray to Him and honor Him this morning? Let us pray together. Heavenly Father, as we have gathered here today, this morning, we acknowledge God as the truth of who you are, that you are our wonderful counselor. You are the mighty King, the Prince of Peace. The author and the perfecter of my families. So I praise your name, O Lord, this morning. Unworthy, but worthy before your cross. For I have died to myself. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. But we thank you for your humility as you have shown us. And as Paul declared in Philippians 2, you humbled yourself, even obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God, we turn to you with gratitude and with thanksgiving. We humble ourselves to you this morning. And we joyfully sing songs of praises to you. And we honor you, God, for who you are. 
But we do not ask of anything else other than God just to know you more and to go into a deeper relationship with you, God. That's all we ask, oh God. We do not ask for the things of this world or for the success of this world. But we humble ourselves and we joyfully worship you. We praise you this morning. And we give all of ourselves to you, God. Jesus, teach us your ways to walk in your truth, oh God. So that we walk in your truth each and every single day. We thank you for this year of 2023. We thank you for the journey, for all the ups and downs. In the midst of our confusion, you were always there to strengthen us. Lord, we love you. together I'm standing here only by your grace Lord I'm standing here only by your grace Lord I bow my knees and worship at your throne there's nothing I want just one thing I need Worship you, Father. I'm standing here only by your grace, Lord. I bow my knees and worship at your throne. There's nothing I want. Just one thing I need to worship you, Father. So, Heavenly Father, as you transition now to your message, I pray, God, that the words in my mouth and Lord, may the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be listening here today, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh God. Give us clean hands. And a pure heart and a right heart to approach your throne with thanksgiving and with gratitude. We humble ourselves this morning and we give all of ourselves to you, Lord. Speak to us, Lord, for we desire to hear your voice, for we are listening to you, Lord. Strengthen us here today. We give you all the glory and we give you all the honor. We thank you for this time and the space that you have given us to worship you. And Lord, we worship you as true worshipers. Yes. As true worshipers, we will humble ourselves and seek your holy face. We love you. We thank you. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, just cross and we pray. And all of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. 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 God bless you. Uh, let's all take our seat. Uh, let's take a moment uh, before we begin our message to greet our fellow neighbors. At this time, it's good to see you. God bless you. Merry Christmas. All right, today, we're going to continue on with our Real Faith series. We are now on part 11. Part 11. And this will have a lot of connection 
with part eight that we did called Pure Religion. And it's not really about the words that we speak, the things that come out of our mouths, but really it's about being a leader, being a teacher. Being a teacher means you are a leader. If you are a leader, you are a teacher, meaning you teach the young, and then you are also teachable. We are also uh, following Christ, but we also submit to Him, and we learn from Him. We are a follower of Christ, but we are also a leader in this generation, for God calls you to be a leader in this generation. So today's title of today's message of part 11 of Real Faith is called, So You Want to Be a Leader. So you want to be a leader. Okay, let's get into it. Let's talk about what James teaches us, but what it means to be a teacher slash a leader. Okay, it says in James 3, verse 1 to 12, the heading says, Taming the Tongue. It says in verse 1, Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. In other words, God will hold you to a higher standard. Are you sure you want to be a leader? Verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great force is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings. We who have been made in God's likeness, out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can salt produce, salt spring produce fresh water. Amen. And amen. amen. So during this Christmas season, as we end the year 2023, as we enter the year 2024, let us watch what we say. Let us watch what comes out of our mouths as God is calling you to a mature place. No longer are you just a lay individual who just follows Christ, just a casual member who just comes to church. But God is calling you to be a leader in this generation. He's calling you to be teachers. Therefore, we must watch what we say. We must watch what we do and what we don't do. That's why it says in James 1, verse 26, going back, recapping to part A, pure religion, the sermon, 
those who consider themselves religious and yet do not keep a tight rein on their tongues, deceive themselves, and the religion is worthless. So the Lord is teaching us to lead well and to live well in this life, the life, one life that God has given you. So let's begin with point number one, and it's a question. Are you sure that you want to teach? In other words, are you sure that you are called to lead? Are you sure that you want to lead? Are you sure that you want to teach? In, every, in almost every culture, being a leader, being a teacher is a respected profession because you are in a position of influence, because you are in a position of leadership. Especially in the Jewish culture, they were respected. But if you read through the Gospels, you see that Jesus, he doesn't really show much respect to the teachers. And then you would think, why? Because in the Jewish culture, to be a teacher equals respect. But Jesus, he showed respect to the shepherds, to the poor, to the orphans, to the children, the rejects, the marginalized. He came and he showed himself to them. For they had a humble heart and a humble attitude as they approached the king of kings. And we are created in God's image. And God calls us to be humble, to be teachable, to make sure that if, you are, if, you, if God places you in a position of leadership, that God is calling you as a Christian to be a servant leader who is humble and who is teachable. But nowadays, many people are in a rush to become a teacher, a coach, a leader. They love to be an owner, a manager. But do you truly understand what it means to teach? What it means to lead? What it means to guide? You must keep in mind that Jesus, again, he did not respect most of the teachers. And you need to ask yourself, why? Why did Jesus not show respect to these highly respected people who are popular among society, people who thought they knew everything? In other words, what you should be asking yourself is, are you respected before God or are you respected before people? And the reality is that we need to get to a place in our life where we strive to honor God. We have to be honored before Jesus, not before people. So point letter A, the burden is too great. Being a teacher, being a leader, the burden is great. Letter B, the weight is too heavy. It's very, very heavy. Letter C, the standard is too high. In other words, do you truly understand what it means to teach, what it means to lead, what it means to guide? In other words, when you are a teacher, James teaches us here in James 3, he's saying that you will be judged more strictly. You'll be held to a higher standard, a higher judgment. In other words, when you're in a position of leadership, the Lord will continue to the rest of your life, you'll continue to hold you to a higher and a greater standard. There's a difference between being a JV and varsity. There's a difference between being a captain of the team and just being part of the team. Only you understand. 
as you became a praise leader, you understand now the difference, the weight that you need to carry, the, the stricter standard, the standard, the higher standard that the Lord calls you to hold. But the reality is too many people brag about being in a position of leadership when in fact they're not leaders themselves. In their eyes, they're leaders, but they're not true leaders. For they do not understand what true leadership means. But unless you have been in a position of leadership, true leadership, unless you have seen the burden of leadership, and especially if you are a good leader, especially when you are a godly leader that strives to be honest and accountable, it is not easy. It is not glamorous. Because a lot of people will stand against you. If people are not standing against you, especially those who are living for the things of this world, who are compromising before God, then you need to ask yourself, am I a true leader? Am I here pleasing God or am I here pleasing people? We all love Avengers, right? We've all watched the series, especially in the beginning. Now it's Everything's kind of whack. Everything has been done over and over and over. But especially in the beginning, there was a lot of excitement to it. And one of my favorite scenes, my favorite character, he's not even a superhero. Remember that scene, the old man? He stands up in front of Loki. He's like, who's everyone bow, everyone kneel. And then he stands up. This old man, he has no strength, but he has character and he has courage. And he stands up. That's what we call a true leader in the midst of opposition. You stand up and you say, Lord, not I, for I am not worthy. I am not deserving of this. But if this is where you have called me to, do, to be, if this is what you have called me to do, I will do it humbly, faithfully, and diligently. And during the season of Christmas, we see that's exactly what Christ did for us. Philippians 2, we were taught we went over and over again. That's what the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords did. Our God, He humbled Himself as an infant, came as a human being, the incarnation of Jesus. There's no greater act of humility than that. There's no one on earth, no human being alive, no one in history that can come close to the burden that Christ had to carry. The burden of carrying all the sin, of the sins of humans, past, present, and future, to go on the cross, the wrath of God being poured out on Jesus Christ. We need to understand what it means when we say, letter A, the burden is too great, the weight is too heavy, the standard is too high. Being a leader is not glamorous. It is a tough road. Being a teacher is not an easy path for the people's eyes are on you. And Satan hates you. And Satan wants to destroy you. So every day, we need to keep ourselves in check and understand the burden of true leadership. Therefore, when the Lord calls you to a position of leadership, and that could be anything, you could be in charge of mopping the floor, you could be in charge of cleaning the bathroom, whatever it may be, we lead with, letter D, utmost humility 
letter E, utmost diligence, letter F, utmost faithfulness. I'm not talking about fruitfulness, for people look at the fruit and number and things just because you have the number and the fruit doesn't mean that you are faithful. You have to be faithful each and every single day. And the letter G, with utmost carefulness. And I say letter F and G, it's very important. And I say faithfulness because, you know, I've been doing this for a while, but before I was not qualified at all. I mean, we're never really fully qualified. But as you are faithful in the small things, the Lord will lead you to do a little more and a little more and a little more. Again, it's not marked by the fruit of what you really see because the root, a lot of people can have big fruit, but their root is very shallow. But as we are faithful in the small things, we understand that the Lord the relationship that we have. It's like the question, why do we pray? Right? Atheists will ask, agnostics will ask, why do you pray if God already knows everything? What is the point of it? The point of prayer is not to receive things. It's not a checklist. But the point of prayer is for you to have an intimate relationship with the Father. And as you pray, you grow in an intimate relationship with Him. When you talk to a friend, you speak with them, you communicate with them, and then you, your relationship goes deeper. But if you don't, it is a shallow relationship. So when I'm saying utmost faithfulness, are you being faithful with what God has given you in your life today? Is it consistent? Have you been consistent over all these years? First time I was asked to lead a team, a mission team, I was at the age of 19, almost barely 20. Not even 20. Not qualified, but in the eyes of God, qualified. I remember being asked, I was like, oh, I, don't, I really don't know anything. All I know is that I've been on a few missions, about five. I'm young, I don't know anything, but I've been to Bolivia before, and I still have the mat in my car. It says Bolivia on it. So people go, why Bolivia? Are you Bolivian? <laughs> it's because the team, they got it for me as a gift. And I still have it. I still carry it with me. Just as a reminder of what it means to be a servant leader. Going back to the roots, what it means to be humble and to follow Christ. And part of it is just finding the balance. Um, just I remember when I first became a pastor... I was more like an older brother figure, you know, friends to the kids. I was their teacher to a staff. And when I became a youth pastor, uh, Brother Enrico, kids would say, like, Pastor, hey, Pastor. And I'd be like, oh, no, 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 it's just AC, AC. Just call me AC. But I began to understand why there had to be some sort of distance, a shift of mind, attitude that I was no longer their friend and buddy. And I had to step into the role of becoming a teacher, humbly and courageously. And in the beginning, it was very tough. You know, I would um, 
become shy up on stage. I wouldn't know what to say. And I would always tell my friend, he's his, from Liberia, he's very outgoing. You know, he's like, ah, you know, he, he just knows how to talk to people and, and do things well, present things well. And I would ask him during prayer meetings, hey, can you, you should do it. Even though I was a youth pastor and he was a middle school pastor, and I was supposed to lead, and I would always push it away. But as I continued to serve the Lord humbly and faithfully, the Lord gave me courage, confidence, accountability, and he continued to teach me to live my life with utmost faithfulness, with utmost carefulness. Why? Because now these younger kids, their eyes are on you. For you guys, this next generation, the younger kids, whatever you're doing, whether you're teaching them, tutoring them, whatever it may be, sports. Josh is a coach now, so call him Coach Josh. He's a basketball coach. <laughs> whatever you're doing, their eyes are on you, but more so because you're a Christian, more so because you represent Christ. You are a Christian. You serve a true God. What separates your religion from all other religion is because we serve a true and living God, and that is why we have gathered here today on Christmas Day to celebrate the birth of our King and our Lord Jesus Christ, who humbly came, who was a servant leader with utmost carefulness. You must lead. Romans 14, 15, it says, If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. In other words, watch out. Watch what you do. Watch what you say. Do not, by your eating, destroy someone for whom Christ died. And I'll get to examples later. But let's continue. 1 Corinthians 8, 9-13 says, Be careful, however, that the exercise of your rights does not become a stumbling block to the weak. For if someone with a weak conscience sees you with all your knowledge eating in an idol's temple, won't that person be emboldened to eat what is sacrificed to idols? So this weak brother or sister... In other words, a younger brother or sister, someone who is looking up to you, who is in your ministry, for whom Christ died, is destroyed by your knowledge when you sin against them in this way and won't wound their weak conscience, you sin against Christ. Therefore, Paul is saying, if what I eat, if what I do, if what I say causes my brother or sister to fall into sin, I will never eat, or eat meat again, so that I will not cause them to fall. In Matthew 18, verse 6, Jesus says this, and the heading says, causing to stumble. He says, if anyone causes one of these little ones, he's talking about those who are weaker in their faith. He's talking about children. He's talking about the innocent ones, those who have just recently became a convert, a Christian. He's saying, if anyone causes one of these little ones, Especially when you have been in the faith for many years now. You're now in your 20s, in your 30s and 40s, and you are in a position of leadership. You need to watch what you say. You need to watch what you do. If anyone causes one of these little ones, those who believe in me, to stumble, it would be better for them to what? 
And this is a very serious thing. He says, to have a large millstone hung around their neck and to be drowned in the depths of the sea. Meaning you are worthless. You might as well just not live. For you are causing this innocent child of mine to stumble and to fall into sin. And as Christians and as teachers and as leaders, that is the worst thing that we can do to cause someone else to stumble. The word stumble, Greek word, it means to stub one's toe. Every time you're walking, you stub your toe. That's what it is. You're stubbing them. You're stopping them from growing. You need to realize what is going on, what you're doing. And that is the very reason why, and I share this openly, I don't smoke, I don't drink. In the past, yes. Not anymore. No way. I am very careful with what I watch. I'm not perfect. What I say and what I do. And the question is, am I perfect? No, I'm not. Not at all. Because I know how I used to live when I lived for myself. I know what I used to do when I was the God of my life. But because Christ is my God now, he has always been my Lord. I live for him. And none of these things matter. What gives me, quote unquote, pleasure, it does not matter anymore. For it is about honoring him and praising him. So in other words, from the smallest decision to the biggest decision, with choices that are given to me, I choose to honor him. Because if not, I remember Matthew 18, 6, catastrophic consequences. And I've met pastors, I've met teachers, and I say this personally, not personally because I want to, ah, like do something to them, but it bothers me to the point where it leads me to a point of anger. Again, there's evil anger and there's righteous anger. But even with righteous anger, we have to be careful because ultimately that will lead to sin if we're not careful. But I've met pastors, teachers, leaders, and weddings. I mean, I kid you not. Like before hitting the dance floor, they would say, now, before we hit the dance floor, like they're up there on the mic, right? They're about to pray for the meal. Let me go ahead and pray before we get drunk and dance and hit the dance floor. I'm just going to pray for the meal. And in that wedding, in that ceremony, there are so many different levels of people. Some are atheists, Gnostics, some are Christians, young children, kids. And the reality is, and the warning to us is, and if you are this type of church leader, and do not give careful thought to your ways, to what you say, don't do it. It's just better safe to not do it. Just walk away. This road is not for you. In the beginning, we can make mistakes, but as we are, if we don't change, and we are the same way day in, day out for years and years and years, and we do not mature, we realize that this path is not for us to walk in. And this applies to every Christian in this life. This also applies to worldly leaders. 
We need to pray for wisdom. Um, doctors, nurses, owners, managers, employees, employers, as Christians, God is calling you to a higher standard. And as a teacher, and this is a sacrifice that all leaders and teachers must take. That's why it says, again, going back to verse 1 and 2, that many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. We all do. We stop, we stop our toes many times. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. But the reality is we are not perfect. We need to humble ourselves and follow a perfect God. And his name is Jesus Christ. So again, point number one, are you sure that you want to teach? Are you sure that you want to lead? Because the reality is the burden is, is too great, the weight is too heavy, the standard is too high. And if you are ready, then do it with utmost humility, utmost diligence, utmost faithfulness, and utmost carefulness. Amen. Point number two. Okay, are you sure that you are qualified to teach? Ask yourself that. Make sure that you are qualified. It is amazing how many unqualified teachers there are. And I say this with no pride because I understand my own wickedness. And there are too many. The reality is right now there are too many unqualified pastors, teachers, and we could even transition to worldly positions, nurses, doctors. Are you a good nurse? <laughs> are you? Leaders, quote-unquote leaders. And we see even with pastors, it's very easy to, get, to be a pastor now. You got a pastoral certificate online. It's like a couple bucks. But I remember when ordination came, before ordination, during chaplaincy, I had to see uh, even a clinical psychologist, make sure that I'm passed. I, I am screened. It's, I passed a test for psych psychological, any issue, screening, to test if this person is fit for ministry. You take exams with the language, the theology, the polity, and make sure that you fully understand what it means to be in this position of a pastor, a teaching elder. Therefore, letter A, trained. B, disciplined. C, faithful. And D, chastened. chastened. In other words, to be humble, to purify, to discipline, to be refined. Are you sure that you are qualified to, to teach. Again, in other words, are you a qualified teacher? First Timothy 4, Paul tells Timothy this, that if you point these things out to the brothers and sisters, you will be a good minister. Meaning, in other words, you'll be a good teacher. You'll be a good leader of Christ Jesus, nourished on the truths of the faith and of the good teaching that you have followed. Verse 7, have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, what? Train yourself to be godly. To be a leader, you need to be trained. You have to train yourself day in and day out in order for you to pursue this position of teaching. Verse 8, for physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Holding promise for both the present life and the life to come. 
if Paul here says for physical training is of some value, then okay, then that's enough for me. Then you need to take care of what you eat, take care of yourself, exercise what you eat, because I've met leaders, pastors, physically, they're unhealthy, they're not able to continue on in ministry. Everything is connected, do we understand? Body, mind, soul, spirit, everything is connected all together. And that is what Paul is teaching Timothy, his disciple, his spiritual son. Train yourself to be godly. And then what does he say? Verse 9, this is a trustworthy thing, saying that deserves full acceptance. That is why we labor and strive, meaning you have to work hard because we have put our hope in who? Not in my own strength, but in the living God, who is the Savior of all people. Who is this? Jesus Christ, and especially of those who believe. Command and teach these things. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young. But set an example for the believers in speech, in conduct, in your lifestyle, in love, in faith, and in purity. Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture. That's why whenever in the midst of transitioning of song to song, we have been doing Scripture reading, which has been amazing. It's been, it's been beautiful. The reading of Scripture to preaching and to teaching do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy when the body of others laid their hands on you. Be diligent. Train yourself. Be diligent in these matters. Give yourself wholly to them so that everyone may see your progress. Remember, life is about progress. Not the next house, not the next car. Progress in your spiritual growth, spiritual maturity. Progress. Watch your life. And doctrine closely. Just like you do every morning. You look at yourself in the mirror. Watch your life. Reflect upon your life. Persevere in them. Because if you do, you will save both yourself and your hearers. Who are your hearers? Followers. Just talking to teachers. Talking to leaders. Because eyes are on you again. So are you a qualified teacher? I mean, there's many other examples in the Bible. I mean, next scripture I have is Hebrews 5. But because of the long reading, uh, we won't go there. But it's just saying that in, oh, it's just the whole premise of that is you're still drinking milk. <laughs> okay, but you need to start eating solid food. You're still young and you're immature. You're still a child. And anyone who lives on milk is an infant, and they're not fit to be in a position of leadership, teaching, and righteousness. And that solid food is for the mature. And it says in verse 14, but solid food is for the mature who by constant who use have what? Trained themselves. Trained themselves to distinguish good and evil. A person that's not born, and they're like, oh, leader, that's it. You'll always be a leader, no matter what. Even Jesus, as he grew up in stature, physical stature and wisdom, he trained himself to learn and to memorize the Word of God. Leadership, true leaders are trained, trained 
for godliness. Amen. And amen. Ephesians 4.13 says, Until we all reach, don't think that you have reached yet. You need to reach for it. Unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature. You become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And then Hebrews 12, another word, it says, trained. It ends with verse 11. No discipline seems pleasant at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it produces harvest of righteousness and peace for those who have been trained by it. If you're being trained, you're being disciplined. <laughs> it's not easy, but it's necessary. That's why it says endure hardship as discipline. Why? Because God is treating you as his children. Amen. And amen. amen. So again, are you sure that you're qualified to teach? You have to be trained. <laughs> That's the number one thing. You have to undergo training. B, discipline. C, faithful. And D, chasten. You need to be humble. You need to be disciplined. You need to be refined. You need to be purified. Amen. And lastly, point number three. James is teaching us, and closing with this point, he says, now go and be a teacher of the truth. He's saying, go. Do it now. For life is short. And if the Lord calls you to teach, to lead, to coach, to guide, then be all of that under the banner of Christ. Do it courageously. Do it confidently. Be under the banner of the ultimate truth. What is the ultimate truth? It's the Word of God, the Bible that we have, the Gospel. So the question that I want to ask you, and as we're on our last point, are you truly honest with small things? Uh, or are you a corrupt individual from the smallest to the big things? If you are honest with the small things, I mean, we know this, you will be faithful in the big things. And Jesus was teaching that while he lived. As he started his ministry at the age of 30, he was teaching everywhere he went that if you are honest with the small things, then you will be faithful in the big things. And if a leader, a teacher, is not faithful in the small things, things, then when big things are given to them, they will fumble even more. And we see it with child celebrities, uh, people who had no money, they win the lottery, they don't have the roots of the foundation, they don't have the discipline, they're not able to uphold all the pressure that comes with fame, money, worldly temptations. That's what Jesus says in Luke 16. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will, be, will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, he will trust you with true riches. And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, he will give you property of your own. Luke 19, 17. Well done, my good servant, his master replied, because you have been trustworthy in a very small matter, 
take charge of ten cities. Matthew 13, 12, the parable of the sower. Whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. Otherwise, there will be fire. Because I can't count on you. You're fumbling on the small things. It's going to be taken away. But those who have been faithful in the smallest things, the Lord will bless your life. And he will continue to give you a little more, a little more. And again, I'm not talking about the actual number. I'm talking about faithfulness in the small things. Whatever it may be, be faithful in the small things. Matthew 25, the parable of the talents or the parable of the bags of gold, depending on which translation you have. So, so take the bag of gold from him and give it to the one who has ten bags. For whoever has will be given more, and they will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what they have will be taken from them. And throw that worthless servant. You are a worthless individual because you are not faithful in the small things. You're not trustworthy. Throw that servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. So check each day. And I know it's not easy. Check what you say. Check how you say it. Meaning, in other words, they're coming from a place of pride, jealousy, anger. And why do you want to say it? Check the motive of your heart. Check yourself before you wreck yourself. And you need to struggle with this. You should struggle with this. And that's okay. Because we're human beings. We are not perfect. Amen. Amen. Even Paul, you know, the ultimate example of what it means to be a disciple, an apostle. Paul says Romans 7, right, before he gives a beautiful theology on Romans 8. I mean, if we really want to understand the gospel, you need to understand Romans 8. That really brings a whole picture from Genesis to Revelation. It's the hallmark, right? They say Romans 8 is the hallmark of the Bible, right, which really explains everything helps us understand why we're saved. But right before that, what does Paul say? He's having a crisis in his life. He's like, let's read it. It says in verse 14, We know that the law is spiritual, but I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. I do not understand what I do. For I, what, what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me, that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out, for I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. And if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it. If I was next to probably like, Paul, relax, stop. What are you doing? What are you talking about? For it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. Although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being, I delight in God's law. But I see under the law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am. And that's my favorite line. What a wretched man I am. That's, that, that's it. That's simply what it is. It's because I am so wretched. I'm so prone to wickedness and pride and sin. That's it. That is why I need Christ. That is why we're here today, Christmas Day, 
to celebrate and to understand Christmas Sunday, what it means to be saved and what it means to have a true Savior who rescued us from this life of sin and death. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Thanks be to God who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law, but in my sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. And the Holy Spirit promises too, and he will, letter A, aid you, B, guide you, and letter C, help you. Amen. And amen. And that's why we're here, men and women of God, on this beautiful, gloomy Sunday. <laughs> on Christmas Sunday, as tomorrow is our Christmas day, uh, that is why we're here. We remember the birth of our Lord Jesus, the one who came to this world, lived a sinless life, fully man, fully God, to die for your sins and to teach us how to live, to be an individual that is humble, who is a humble leader. And God is calling you right now to lead, to lead well, to lead your life well, in order to lead your life well, you need to be a good follower. Not the follower of this world, but be a good follower of Christ. In order to be a good teacher, you have to be teachable. You have to be humble. If you're not humble, you're not teachable. You're done. You think you've made it, then you've hit your end. There's no more growth. We need to always be a student. Student before the King of Kings the Lord of Lords. And that's good. That's okay. That's a good thing. Uh, it's good to not know everything. It uh, frees us and takes the pressure off. It's all about maturity and growth. Perfection doesn't mean being perfect, but being, being mature in your growth, in your walk with the Lord. Amen. And amen. Amen. I just want to make sure that we continue our uh, Real Faith series, even though today is our Christmas Sunday, and we've had many Christmas Sundays, and we've talked about the birth of Christ, and at this point, we are experts at it. But I just want us to understand uh, the birth, the death of Jesus Christ, all of that, why? And we need to not forget the middle, what it means to live and to be a Christian in this generation, for such a time as this, especially when everything, everyone that we see, a lot of people that we, that we know, our family members, live, as they are living for the things and the pursuit of this life, we as Christians, we have to set ourselves apart. And we don't do it on our own, own strength, but by the strength that comes from the Lord, as He transforms our hearts, we live and we act and we say, and we do. Amen? And we become a man and woman of God. Again, you have to be trained by it. You have to be trained by godliness. Amen and amen. All right, so with that, I want to invite the praise team uh, to please come up. Let's give a hand for the praise team. Uh, they've been doing a great job.
And he's like, all those years, ciao. <laughs> and what I would like for us to do is, this is actually, um, A song that we were gonna sing uh, for our offering song, but I wanted us to sing it now, actually, and also sing it for offering as well. But I want us to become familiar with the song, and it's called "One Thing I Ask." And as we're now here at the end of the 2023, uh, doesn't matter about your past, doesn't matter about last night, doesn't matter. About where you are right now, what you're feeling. What matters is that you are here, and that you desire to do the things of God, and that this moment is what matters. Because as each second passes, we will never get it back. As each minute passes, we will never get it back. You have one life to live, and as the song says, one thing I ask, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in your house, O Lord. Not just for today, but all the, all of my days, all of my days, all the days of my life, that I may see you, Lord. Hear me, Lord. Hear me when I cry. Lord, do not hide your face from me. You have been my strength. You have been my shield. And you will, not you might, but you will lift me up. And with that truth and with that courage. Let us really understand why we are here, and what God is calling you to do, and how He's calling you to live. And as we sing this song, I want to invite you: just be free. You can pray, you can stand up, and you can sing, you can worship. But may the Spirit of God touch your heart here this morning, and may the Lord continue to transform your life, so that you are no longer the old person that you used to be. But you are a new creation, created in Christ Jesus to do the good works, to be His workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, to be and to become and to do. Amen. And amen. Let's just take this time to pray and to worship. And worship together.
Shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah. He is the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby, who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them, pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Amen. Amen. The line, the verse where it says, Mary treasure up all these things and pardon them in our heart. That is what the Lord is calling us to do during this season. All of your past, all of your present, everything you've been through, and all, that, all the things that you will go through for tomorrow and the future. May we understand why we're here. And I'm sure Mary, when she saw her son, Jesus Christ, die on the cross at the age of 33, the joy that she had in this moment 
leading up to that moment where Jesus would die on the cross on our behalf. She fully submitted to her Lord, to her King. In the same way, may we submit and surrender to our King. And as the shepherds understood the truth and worshiped Jesus as an infant, may we worship our Lord Jesus Christ, who is the Lion and the Lamb. Amen. And amen. So God, we humble ourselves here to you today on this very day with everything that we've been through, especially in the year 2023. Lord, one thing we ask, one thing we seek, is that, Lord, we desire to dwell in your house forever and ever, for all the days of our lives, to see you face to face. We love you, and we give you all the glory and all the honor. May we be teachable, and may we be good teachers and leaders in this generation. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. In your precious son, just c a u s e me pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen. And with that, let's go to our final and closing song, The Path of Life in Jesus. Let us end the service with the benediction at the end. Let us worship together. close our service with our final prayer and our benediction. Let's pray together. May the Lord bless you and keep you, and may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. And may the Lord turn his face towards you and provide you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good For doing his will 
And may He continue to work within us what is pleasing in His sight. Through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people we pray, amen, amen. and amen. amen. All right, God bless you. I love you. I'll see you all in the back. God bless you. Merry Christmas. God bless you.